Hey, everybody. Welcome to Melrose Sheltering in Place. I'm Nan. And I'm Christopher. And I got to say, I am so grateful to be home right now because I've had such an adventure in the Washington snowstorms over the past week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot. It's all (laughs) snowy up there because it's been like uh, 80 degrees here. So Yeah, Yeah. it's been like 18 degrees here. So... Um, little background, um, a, a while back, um, some friends of mine who live in St. Helens, Oregon, uh, one of them posted on Instagram, um, this really cool big metal peacock, like yard decor and the tail mm. spins. And I was like, I'm buying that. I'm buying it. And, um, I didn't have, I'm not, I didn't have work this week. Garrett still did. So I'm like, Oh, I'll just take a little solo trip down to Long Beach, Washington to get it. So I scheduled two nights at an Airbnb. And then, um, of course, we get snow because I have two nights scheduled at an Airbnb. So I skipped the first night entirely. Um, And then it was was good enough to go down during that first night or that second day. So I drove down and it was fine. And then I'm getting – I'm actually – like I have left the Airbnb, um, you know, after my lone night there when I paid for two and I'm in a parking lot eating a bagel and a latte and I text Garrett and say, I'm heading back. And he says, wait a minute, can you just go back to the Airbnb and wait until there's light out so we can check the traffic cameras? And I'm like, okay. So I go back and then he's like, I don't think you should come back. You should just get a room somewhere. (laughs) Uh, Oh yeah. So I get on Priceline um, and I w- got a room at my favorite seaside town in Washington and Oregon, which is Seaside, which is where he and I went previously. And then, you know, I, I make the reservation. And then he goes, you know what? I, th- I think I'm okay with you making a break for it. And I said, well, it's non-refundable, so I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I've already paid, yeah. so I'm going to enjoy my hotel room. Yeah, and you know what? I got to have a little bit of pool time. <laughs> oh yay indoor pool i'm guessing yeah and it wasn't a great pool and the hot tub was not hot enough but it had been a long time since i had been in a pool so um better than nothing i mean it's kind of funny like the hotel effect right like even janky stuff can feel really nice when you're just like staying in a hotel there's something about being in a hotel that's like super uh, nice. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like a twelve-year-old. I'm like, hotels are really fun. <laughs> you want to know um, what is weird is going into a pool wearing a mask. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. I mean, I was in there by myself, but I I like to feel better than everybody, um, <laughs> and so that and that includes like not waiting until I see the other people before pulling the mask up when I'm indoors. I like to have it on the whole time. Because, you know, the superiority complex just can't be stopped. (laughs) I mean, you know. Well, that sounds, yeah, like a little snow time adventure. It reminded me of last year during Texas's snowpocalypse. And Sean and I got snowed in at, like, we had been planning a vacation for that week for a while. And uh, we got snowed in at, like, a cabin. Oh, so you you were at least at the vacation. Yes. We were. Did you have to stay longer than you planned to? We did. We did. We did have to stay extra by like, I think two days, but everyone else had left. So it was, it was like, it was a 
group of cabins or whatever. And um, we were the only people there other than the people who own the place. So it was not a big, and of course everybody canceled their reservations who was supposed to come down, you know, those following days um, because nobody could drive anywhere. So what did you do about food? We, well, that was the cool thing is it was on this little state highway in the middle of nowhere. And there was a town just a little ways up the road. And that little stretch of highway managed to like become drivable just enough for us to get to that town and get groceries nice. um, at the grocery store. And their stuff was all open. They had power at that town and it was tiny. It was like teeny tiny. Um, so we kind of lucked out in that regard. Um, by the way, I saw your tattoo and I dig it. Oh, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, my Elizabeth Taylor tattoo. It's just like a little curled up snake based on this picture of her from the sixties. Um, was that a painful spot to do it? You know, it was kind of painful, but I mean, I'll be honest. It's a very thin, like, and it's only line. It's no shade. So, I mean, it probably would have hurt worse if I'd gotten like a more like intense tattoo. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just like thin line work. And so it went really fast. There were some points where it was pretty painful, but I always forget pretty quickly after I get a tattoo, I somehow just forget how painful it was. Yeah. Um, so I never can, I get like, people always ask and I'm like, I, I think I remember things being painful, but I can't totally tell you. Yeah, my last one wasn't too bad because it's just this little line work swatch watch on my wrist. <laughs> yeah. Pretty easy. And like wrists can be pretty painful, but yeah, if something is just like a thin line work tattoo, it's usually not going to hurt that bad. And even if it does hurt pretty bad, it'll just be like for a few seconds and then you move on. Um, I finally found a contender for the font for my knuckle tattoos. So I'm mm. pretty excited about that. Um, it's this like 70s sci-fi looking font called Stop, um, which uh, is related to something else called like, oh, I'm going to get it wrong if I guess. So something else that starts with an M, but it's cool looking. So like if I were to schedule the tattoo, I would no question get it in that font right now. I'm still open to if I see more fonts that I like, you know, I I could try other ones, but if I if I had the tattoo appointment, I would go ahead and get this font. That's how much I like it. <laughs> cool. Well, I can't wait Me too. to see it. Oh, speaking of knuckle tattoos, uh, a queer coffee shop uh, recently opened here, and I was over there to interview them for the grand opening. And uh, the owner had the best knuckle tattoos ever. It was 867-5309. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> Loved it. Very cool. Well, should we get into the episodes? There was some freaking amazing acting in these episodes. Yeah. Um, although I must say, like, it's been a, a long time since I watched because um, I think I've explained ever since that time I only watched two out of the three. I've been so worried about not getting it done. So, like, I, I do it actually way too soon. I should probably wait more. But um, we'll see. I'm sure it'll come back to me as I read this. Um, see, 
And I do the opposite. I watched, I waited all this time. It's been like a month and a week since we recorded last. And I watched one episode last night and two episodes this morning. (laughs) (laughs) So we are definitely very different people. But yes, I will try to remind you of the the moments where I just, (laughs) there were several moments where I just had to laugh at like the way they played it because it was so just hilarious. (laughs) Well, uh, episode four of season four is called Simply Shocking, which is pretty funny if I remember correctly. Um, and it opens with um, a very scary Silence of the Lambs style scene. Michael visits Kimberly in like a scary basement prison kind of Hannibal Lecter setting. And, um, you know, she says some scary stuff and she rips the sink from the wall and throws it through the window and then kicks out the rest of the glass before stabbing him with a big shard of glass. But of course it was all a dream. He's actually safe in the break room at the hospital where he tears her name off of her locker and swears that she'll never be released. And then the episode begins with um, impressive helicopter footage, uh, quite an upgrade from that postcard wiggle that we're used to um but then they show footage that we've seen at least 15 times of a jogger who's jogging along a street and not using the sidewalk um (laughs) and uh it's very distinctive um so michael and sydney pick up some files for their patients from the hospital excuse me and peter overhears michael saying that he wants to make sure kimberly is never set free Uh, He reminds Michael that he's supposed to leave Kimberly alone and Hobbs, the hospital dude, shows up and tells them that he fired Matt and he calls him the F slur. Um, Michael implies that the hospital dude, Hobbs, uh, should watch his mouth or he could end up in legal trouble and lose his job. But Peter tells him that he needs to watch his own mouth. And by the way, I want to congratulate Tej from Melrose Placecast because um, Jack Wagner, I think is his name, the actor who plays Peter, um, commented on some post of theirs in, uh, he just sent me a screenshot and I didn't even know what I was looking at in the screenshot, but he was like, look, it's Peter. And I was like, oh. (laughs) So he had some real real interaction with a cast member recently. So that's pretty cool. I'm sure we could get some of that if we tried harder, but um, (laughs) you know us, we don't, we don't work much at all. (laughs) No, we don't believe in effort around here at Melrose sheltering in place. No, like for example, like it's really hard to get screenshots on streaming services anymore. And instead of trying really hard to figure out a way around that, I'll just point the phone at the screen. It's fine. Oh, I take pictures of screens all the time, Um, mostly because I refuse to have, like, I take pictures of tweets on my computer because I refuse to have apps on my phone. And also I don't really have Twitter. I just have the work Twitter. So I'll just take, it's, it's completely crazy. (laughs) So Michael meets up with a very drunk Matt at Shooters, of course, to tell him what Hobbs said and that he'll help Matt sue. Matt laughs at him and says, He's not into lawsuits or revenge and just wants to move on, which is not true because he sued his former employer and got 10,000 whole dollars, which he supposedly started some kind of a foundation with that we never heard about ever again. 
Um, Kimberly's room has a two-way mirror, so doctors can see her talking to Henry, the man in the mirror. She tosses her food tray and pitches a fit, so Peter and some orderlies sedate her and give her electroshock treatments, hence the name of the episode. Sydney can't believe Peter is helping Kimberly, and he explains that he had a sister in a similar situation and that he has no family now that she's gone. He also says to forget what he said and stay out of his business. <laughs> so, of course, she immediately calls Michael in to tell him everything. Tom Riley of the Gay and Lesbian Rights Coalition finds Matt at Shooters, um, once again, making us wonder how that's even possible because it's not like Matt had checked in on Facebook or anything. <laughs> Poor square. <Yeah. laughs> Matt guesses correctly that Michael contacted him. Oh, okay. Michael just told him he's drunk at shooters. Go find him there. Uh, <laughs> Matt just wants to be left alone, but Tom tells him that he has a responsibility to the community and that if he doesn't go after Hobbs, he's as big a coward as him. And he leaves Matt his card. It's not long before Matt gets in touch, ready to go after Hobbs. And probably wants a date with um, Tom. <laughs> Sydney and Michael get drunk on Grappa. And Michael makes a pass at her. Um... She heads to the window to reminisce and ponder their past, and they bone. The next morning, they visit Kimberly in the psych ward to taunt her by making out in front of her. And when they say they're a couple again, she screams for them to leave, and Peter is pissed. Sydney comes to the beach house for more boning, and Michael explains that he only seduced her so it'd be realistic when they went to visit Kimberly. <laughs> <laughs> which you know i i could see them not being very good actors um she goes to the office the next morning to quit but peter asks her to stay and offers her an extra hundred dollars a week under the table to stay he asks for the standard melrose place favor which is for her to keep an eye on michael for him and she agrees everybody that's all anybody has ever asked is could you just please keep me informed about what this other person is doing <laughs> um <clears throat> excuse me construction noise wakes billy up and he catches brooke making a plane reservation for florida to go investigate amanda's license that she found and has a photocopy of she lies and says she's going to learn about a real estate investment and she sends him to brush his teeth so they can bone. And I have to tell you that investing in real estate in Florida is such a terrible idea. Um, apologies. Yeah. If, if any of you six listeners live in Florida, I'm very sorry that you live there. Because <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> Although I will say you, you can get a big house for nothing. But then once you leave the house, you're in Florida. So... <laughs> True. Your house could like fall in a sinkhole or whatever. Right. Fall sand or whatever. Man in sinkholes. <laughs> For those who That's how I initially became scared of sinkholes is I read some story about like these guys that lived in Florida and one of them basically like 
they were brothers and they lived together in this house. And one of them was like, I'm going to go take a nap in my room. And he went back to his room and his room fell in a sinkhole. Oh. And that's when I learned that they're really common in Florida. And I, that's also when I learned that they're not very common where I live because we're on a limestone formation. So anyway, you know, note to listeners at home, you might want to just like look up the likelihood of a sinkhole in your area. <laughs> um, just so everyone knows what a good friend I am, when I see a movie that has a sinkhole in it, I make sure to text Nan and tell them never to watch that movie. <laughs> Thank you. Because some people, when I was like, when I had my phobia about sinkholes, some people thought it was funny to like call my attention to sinkholes. Yeah. And it's not funny. That's not funny. Um, and, you know, sinkholes show up in surprising places. Like the the last one I can think of that I told you about was that movie Baby Mama with uh, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. Mm-hmm. And it's like looking at that movie, would you think there would be a huge sinkhole? No, I definitely would not have anticipated a sinkhole. Yeah. Hey, you know, I just thought of something. Um, you could probably get on IMDb and search sinkhole and find lots of movies to never watch. I bet, I bet that's a keyword. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway... Joe is mad that there's another woman hanging around, but Jake explains that it's Jesse's ex-wife. He hasn't told her how he died yet, and Joe says that he shouldn't. Um, in case you forgot, um, Joe, or Jake and Jesse got in a fight on the construction site, and they fell off of the building, and uh, Jake landed on Jesse, so Jesse died, and Jake was fine. <laughs> makes total sense yeah i mean jake is really just um invincible because like he he survived the explosion on the boat that killed palmer woodward (laughs) (laughs) um who knows what else will happen um i mean he rides a motorcycle i'm sure that's gonna wreck at some point um shelly that um jesse's ex-wife she emerges from the shower sopping wet and in a towel just like people do on tv they never stop and dry off um, so Joe excuses herself. Allison tells Amanda at D&D that her eyesight is returning and that she'll tell everyone as soon as some personal issues are resolved, which Amanda knows right away is about Billy. Allison tells Amanda that Brooke was going through her files and she goes straight to Brooke to confront her. Joe arrives at Mackenzie Hart just in time to meet Elliot Freeport from Madison National Bank. He says if their spring show is a success, they'll get the line of credit they need. So hopefully those designs are good. Designs. (laughs) Richard's a sourpuss, so Jane follows him to his office for hugs and reassurance. She says that she loves him and they kiss unafraid of being seen through the blinds for some reason. He gets out a ring and she accepts his proposal, even though she said like two days ago that she wasn't ready. She says she'll wear it publicly after the big show. Jake and Shelly go to Jesse's grave. He tells her about the accident at the job site and says he feels responsible for Jesse's death. Is it Jess or Jesse? I thought it was Jesse, but I keep writing Jess here. I don't know. I think it's Jesse. Yeah, I'm just bad at outlines. Um, <laughs> well, we knew that. Uh, she doesn't blame him because she knows what Jesse was capable of. Billy reads Allison the newspaper in the courtyard until Brooke comes down to leave for Miami. <laughs> um, man, that would be the worst part about being blind is having Billy read to you. Ugh. 
Um, Brooke <laughs> suspects that she has her sight back because she walks without hesitation over to Jane's. Jane's mad because Richard started telling people that they're engaged because she's tired of being defined by who she's with or divorced from. And yet she still didn't take back her, what they call a maiden name. Is there a better mm. word for maiden name? Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I haven't heard one. Yeah. You're, you're given surname. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Brooke finds a microfiche of Amanda and Jack Parisi's wedding announcement and visits him pretending her car broke down near his house. So like, okay, this is kids. In case you were wondering, this was what stalking looked like before the internet existed. Like in our, today's, you could just get on Google and Google like all the stuff you learned on this license and find probably all this information. Yeah. This woman had to fly to Florida, go to the library, get microfiche go through it like the librarian was like this is the last one you asked for so she's clearly already looked through several newspapers and Um, can you imagine how stressful it would be to try to find something specific in microfiches because it's not like you get to just scroll through it's like one big square and you have to go row by row or column by column and make sure you see it all right right so you could definitely miss stuff oh I mean, she got lucky because what she was looking for came with a gigantic picture. Yeah. But, like, imagine if you were looking for something that you had to read the text to find. Mm. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, uh, you can't search in a microfiche. <laughs> <laughs> God, what a nightmare. I will say that microfiches were cool at the time, but it's definitely a limiting format. <laughs> um, So... Uh, there is a big painting of Amanda in the living room and he tells Brooke that she died five years ago. Um, which, uh, I think I make note of this later. Um, the, the timeline is falling apart for what Amanda previously said about her life. Um, saying that she had five years of advertising experience. It's not possible if she faked her death five years ago, but anyway, while she's on the phone, Jack goes into her purse and finds a D&D business card. Billy visits Allison to describe layouts to her, you know, design layouts, <laughs> so that she can provide copy because apparently she's a copywriter now, too. He makes faces at her to make her break, and she admits that she can see and she's been enjoying their time together. He says that their relationship is over because he's married to Brooke. And she says, Brooke probably keeps secrets from him. Uh, by the way, are you watching uh, uh, And Just Like That? Yes. Yeah. It's good. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I, I, everyone, I see my expectations were in the toilet. <laughs> so I think it only had up to go, right. you know? But, like, I actually really like it. I've seen people being like, oh, it's terrible. But I just think that that's also, like, everyone forgets to interrogate like their expectations before going into yeah. a thing. And it was never going to be, you know, like, it's just not, this is why people hate every like Marvel movie, but keep going to see it. Right. Like they have an emotional attachment to the material, but then they just have like all these expectations that they put on it. And it's just better if you have either really low expectations or no expectations, yeah. you know, like, 
Well, it's not perfect, but it's I, it's better than I thought. It's way better than I thought it was going to be. My favorite thing is people, and I think we've talked about this before, where people think that they're like having this understanding of something that wasn't intentionally there. And I'm like, no, the writers wanted it to be like that. Like people are talking about scenes being cringy. And I'm like, no, you're supposed to cringe at how awkward yes. this class is. Like it's supposed to be painful to watch her go back to school. It's supposed to be That's... painful to watch her talk to her kids. Like, that's one of the things I actually liked about it. Cause a lot of what's been cringy in these episodes. So, you know, ever since like in the time since the last season ended to now, you know, it's become like, there's been a conversation that started happening around. Like if you live in New York city, you're not going to just have all these white people. Like you're going to have, you know, it's going to be a more diverse group of folks, blah, blah, blah. Right. And they clearly have responded to that mm-hmm. by the show is more diverse. Yeah. Right. But instead of doing the wrong thing, which would have been just insert a bunch of characters of color and like not acknowledge it, they've made it awkward and like for these white women, which is real and is smart. It's like it would be cringy, you know, (laughs) like the, the idea that like there's this conversation that happens where it's like oh, everyone, like, should have more diverse friend groups, but it's, like, you can't just, like, shoehorn people into spaces and have, and just be, like, okay, we're all here now. Like, this is, you know, like, there's gonna be, like, Charlotte, are you all cut up? Yes, yeah. Like, Charlotte, like, mistaking that black woman for another black woman um, is, like, a thing that happens. It's uncomfortable. And, like, not showing that would be stupid. Yeah. You know, but then um, and what I like is that the that they don't let the white women off the hook mm-hmm. like no one is like the villain. Right. But like they don't just say, oh, it's OK. You know what I mean? Like there's a conversation that tends to happen or like you you see you see like I don't know the awkwardness for the white people. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. And. Um, it's it's been really weird to be watching Melrose Place and then at the same time um, to see Kristen Davis in two very different eras of her life. Um. <laughs> also, can we talk about that plastic surgery? I feel terrible because like she's a probably a lovely human, but her face was very distracting yeah. for the first like two episodes. It takes a while to get used to it for sure. Um. But yeah, you should listen to, if you're not listening to it, the writers of the show have a podcast. It's just called like, and just like that, the writer's room. And they go into kind of your point about like, no, the writers want it that way. They like talk about the decision making for every single thing that happens in the show. And there is a tendency to think that people just like, I've seen people be like, oh, that's lazy writing. And I mean, I've said that kind of stuff about shows before too. And it's fine if you don't think that the choice was right, but I feel like it show it gives like more um, background on why they did certain things. What a cool idea for a podcast! It would be cool if like all shows had a writers' room podcast. Yeah, it's really cool. <clears throat> I am am enjoying it. Although I will have to say, um, a big change in my life uh, since I lost my last job is 
I only listen to two podcasts right now, and they are Melrose Sheltering in Place and Melrose Placecast. Um, <laughs> I, I dropped them all um, when I wasn't working, and then I haven't picked them back up again just because um, now that I'm writing more, it's hard to listen to people talk. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I had to cut way back, but maybe I'll start re-adding some. Um, obviously, I definitely miss Linoleum Knife. Um, mm. That was my first podcast ever. Um, anyway, back to Melrose Place. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, Brooke returns from Miami and heads to Amanda's office to confront her with what she found there. Amanda flips out and grabs Brooke by the neck and tells Brooke that she hasn't yet told Jack that she's still alive. And, um, Amanda says that she faked her own death because Jack's a dangerous, violent man. And Amanda asks what she wants, and Brooke gives her a list of changes she wants around the office. <laughs> so um, Joe comes to Shooters and finds Shelly working there. She's the new bookkeeper. She's basically the new Joe. <laughs> Watch Joe be jealous of Shelly is fun. Yeah. I mean, watching Joe be jealous at all, it it's always great. Uh, Joe heads to the Mackenzie Hart fashion show where Jane takes the stage to announce that she designed the line and that Mackenzie was completely uninvolved. Everybody applauds except Richard, who drags her backstage and fires her. <laughs> Amanda calls an evening meeting with Billy, Brooke, and Allison. Allison's demoted, but she won't get a pay cut. Brooke gets a raise and the corner office, which was funny to me because, like, it didn't have, like, corner office windows or anything it was just in a corner like, <laughs> it was like you go sit in the corner yeah. uh allison follows amanda to the elevator to ask if brooke is blackmailing her with something from her files and amanda says that she can kiss the nice version of her goodbye which doesn't make any sense to me because like allison didn't do anything wrong to amanda right now um, right. like if you, you, sh you would think that Amanda would like cozy up to Allison and try to get back at Brooke somehow. But anyway, um, Richard finds Jane jogging at the beach. Um, and and this is, well, we don't know where Richard's house is, where she's been living or I guess shacking up sometimes. Um, but she says that she has an offer from Vera Wang. Yeah, right. Uh, he tells her that he sent a, out a press release about Mackenzie's death and Jane's contribution, and she can name her price. It turns out that the bank won't issue that line of credit unless she's involved. Jane says she'll return if she's in charge, and they change the name to Mancini Hart. But eventually they agree on Hart Mancini. <laughs> Richard, oh, I have a question. I'll, I'll get to it after this next section. Um, Richard wants to talk about their engagement, but Jane blows him off. Billy and Allison are jealous of Brooke's office and wonder what dirt she has on Amanda. Allison asks Billy to figure it out, but he says that she should do it now that she can see again. <laughs> Amanda shreds papers in her office and Jack arrives on a flight from Miami. Um, so my question was, um, you know, the fashion designer, uh, Alexander McQueen, who is dead now. 
yeah. how is there still an Alexander McQueen company and new clothes coming and it still has the name Alexander McQueen and they never say who's doing it? I don't understand. Um, I don't know. <laughs> that is weird. Yeah. Like they haven't named a they haven't named like a like a named designer. Or if they have, I've missed it every single time I've heard of Alexander McQueen, but I've, I've never once heard somebody say so-and-so for Alexander McQueen. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it. Yeah. Hey, I don't know if I missed it, but was that, so the, um, did Allison tell Amanda, Allison told Amanda that Brooke was snooping. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then, Amanda goes right out and talks to Brooke yeah. and is like, were you looking at my files? Okay. This is the thing I wanted to say <laughs> because uh, that scene where Amanda, so like we see Amanda storm in to Brooke on the floor and like, be like, did you look in my files? Da, 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 da. And Brooke's like, I don't know who told you that. And then Amanda is like, well, I've got my eye on you or whatever, you know? And then as Amanda's walking away, Allison walks, through that door from the hallway with her arms in front of her, like pretending to be blind and like walks through the background. And it was the funniest thing I have ever seen. I have to like, go back and watch that then. You have to go back and watch it because it was so like over the top and the timing of it. Like who told you? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you, but like, you know, and then here comes um, Allison and obviously the implication, right? <laughs> but just the way that she was walking through that door and then across the room, like, you know, in the back of the frame with her arms in front of her, just waving them back and forth and like staring, you know, straight ahead was <laughs> with no like stick or anything, you know, yeah. like no, like <laughs> it was so funny. It was so funny. It killed me. Oh. So that was one of the moments. When I was watching these episodes where I was like, man, this acting is stellar. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to finding that bit and possibly making a promotional oh, TikTok out of it. You have to make a TikTok of it. <laughs> it is so good. All right. So uh, now it's your episode. All right. Episode 4.5, Drawing his drawing Henry. But oh, my God. Is that a, is that a reference to regarding Henry? Oh, I don't know. Um, by the way, do you remember how pornos used to mostly be like parodies of, right? Or at least, yeah. at least like the ones that you would know about? Because like when I was a kid in Albuquerque, the porno theaters had listings in the paper alongside the other ones. So, you know, I got to see the names of the porno movies, and they were amazing. Um, my favorite week one time it had Hannah does her sisters. And oh, Lord. how to stain an American quilt. <laughs> no, stop. <laughs> but the reason I laugh when I think about regarding Henry is that one time I was at um, the Hastings or whatever store. And over in the adult section, there was um, a movie called Regarding Heine. <laughs> oh, no, stop. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Well, um, regarding this Henry, um, a sketch artist draws Henry for Kimberly and Peter. Peter, Michael. So a sketch artist draws this imaginary man. P 
Peter, Michael, and Hobbs are all subpoenaed by Matt and Michael immediately reveals that he told Matt everything Hobbs said. Peter's mad that Michael has Matt as a little side project, but Michael reminds him that he's spending tons of time with Kimberly. It's fair. Um, <laughs> Peter's convinced Henry is someone from Kimberly's past, but she can't remember him. He's convinced if they can't figure out who he is, she'll never get better. Sydney's on the phone with Michael, saying they're entitled to Jane's money when Peter walks into the office. Jane's on the cover of a magazine. He sends her home and makes a call, but she says, but she stays behind and listens to the extension. It's Kimberly's mom, and they haven't spoken in months. He explains that she's in a psychiatric hospital and has been declared insane. He asks if she knows who Henry is, and it's obvious she does, but won't say. Does Kimberly's mom even know that she blew up Melrose Place? <laughs> I don't know. I Probably not. <laughs> um, so... Then in the next scene, she arrives at the psych ward. Peter explains that she's taking her back to Ohio and tells her to explain who Henry is. Mrs. Shaw finally admits that when Kimberly was little, Henry was her their gardener and sexually assaulted Mrs. Shaw the day before Kimberly's eighth birthday. Kimberly stabbed Henry to death to defend Mrs. Shaw, and she doesn't know any of this. This is amazing. And because the family had connections, no charges were ever pressed. The Shaws told Kimberly it was a bad dream and it never happened. Hobbs offers Matt $30,000 to drop the lawsuit, but Matt wants to put him in his place. Hobbs said he should says he should consider his offer or he'll have him blackballed from ever getting a job in L.A., but Matt says when he's done, it'll be Hobbs who's blackballed. Kimberly wonders if she should have gone back to Ohio and worries the psych ward will make her go insane. Because she's not insane yeah. already um, <laughs> after everything that's happened. But Peter insists she can heal now that she knows what happened. He says he can now petition for her release. Um, meanwhile, Amanda <laughs> comes to Brooke's office to chew her out for signing off on a layout without prior approval. Jack Perezzi calls from a hotel around the corner. Also, I was like, oh my god, Antonio Sabato Jr. Like, this is the most 90s person who could show up. <laughs> playing this character from a hotel around the corner and Brooke pretends he's a new client so they can meet up the montage on her way over includes the hamburger place the 90210 teens pulled up to in the first episode Jack lies and says Brooke dropped one of her business cards when she, when he actually went into her purse he says she should come back to Miami so he can show her around and he wants her to do the same for him now she says she's married, but she but he assures her he can keep a secret. The new sign is unveiled at Hart and Mancini Designs, and everyone's happy except Richard, even though the line of credit is secure. He wants a commitment, but she wants more time and thinks if he tries oh if she tries to get married while she's busy as the new lead designer, she'll fail at both. <laughs> He says not to wait too long because he might find someone else. I mean, that's always reassuring yeah. when your potential spouse is like, well, Better hurry. don't wait too long. Yeah. Um, Richard is just the poutiest dude ever. Like, <laughs> how could anybody actually want to marry him? Like, it it's hard not to agree with Jane. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. 
So Richard meets with Joe to ask her to be his cheerleader to Jane, and she says she'll see what she can do. She goes home and finds Jake in the pool. <laughs> she goes upstairs to change into her suit and grab beers, but Shelly appears in her suit with beers and tells him she went grocery shopping. Joe pretends she's too busy after all, and Jake follows her upstairs, surprisingly not in Jordan's. <laughs> Although he is dripping wet and just walking into her apartment. Yeah. Um, Jake says she's out of line for being jealous, and she says he's made his choice. You know what I hate is every episode where they have beers in and near the pool, it's always bottled beers. You need cans for the pool. Oh, right. Because you yeah. don't want to have broken pool glass. Safety. Yeah. <laughs> um... Brooke worries because Haley hasn't called in days. The phone rings, but it's Jack. He says to meet him at the art museum the next morning, or he'll introduce himself to Billy, who is already quite suspicious. The next morning, Joe goes to Jane's to complain about Jack. I mean, about Jake, and ask. I need there not to be a Jack and a Jake in this. (laughs) And a Jane. Like, what's up with the J names? Yeah, Joe, Jesse, Jack, Jake. Yeah, that's like their favorite letter or something. Um, she asks why Jane, Jane's not interested (laughs) in Richard, but she says the same thing she says to him, that her career requires her full attention. They see Shelly on their way out, and she says she sleeps on Jake's couch. And when Joe blows her off, she says, you can't say I didn't try. And Joe says she could never say that, implying that she's trying to get with Jake. Brooke meets up with Jack at the museum thinking he's there because he wants to have an affair with her. He says he has a wife and she lives in Los Angeles and it's Amanda. She lies and says Amanda borrowed money from her years ago and left town as though he can't just call D&D. He reaches her for her face just as Billy turns a corner and spots them. How did Billy show up there? Did he follow? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't make sense. The magic of TV. Yeah. Like, why would Billy ever go to a museum? <laughs> right. Um, Billy confronts Brooke about Jack and says, if she doesn't explain herself now, there won't be a later because he's had it with her. She says Jack is Amanda's husband and she's afraid of him. Billy says, tell Amanda and she promises she... Oh, hold on one second. <laughs> Oh, no. What'd you lose? Oh, it's working. Never mind. I got a message on my thing that said my microphone had changed, but it's still recording. I thought it wasn't recording me anymore. Okay, good. Don't mind me. (laughs) Technical difficulties. Back to the show. All right. He says he should team up. Uh, He says they should team up because they both want Billy and Brooke broken up. Oh, wait. Billy confronts Brooke about Jack, right? Okay, wait, we said that part. Billy says to tell Amanda, and she promises she will. That evening, Haley comes to Melrose Place to see Allison. He says they should team up because they both want Billy and Brooke broken up. (laughs) He invites her to dinner the next night on his yacht. He says it gets chilly in the marina and she should bring a sweater. Ooh. Um, She arrives the next night and Haley offers her a sparkling cider. She says she doesn't want to be part of his plan because she's already made a fool of herself and just wants to get on with her life. She agrees to come in for a toast to the future, but leaves without taking a sip of the drink. 
On her way out, she trips on a rope into the water. She stays for dinner while the boat staff washes her clothes, and she and Haley go in for a kiss on her way out, but she chickens out and leaves. <laughs> Idiot. He was looking pretty foxy. Uh, so, first of all, the part where she tripped into the water was so weird because she just randomly decided to look up at the boat for no reason I could figure out, and it just happened to be right when there was some rope sitting there. Um, <laughs> but I don't understand what... Allison has against hot rich dudes like just do it <laughs> right like Billy is somehow a better choice than than Haley or even um Steve was that his name from microcomp oh right yeah like come on yeah I don't know she should just hook up with Haley um okay <laughs> Man, I don't know what keeps happening. He's telling me that my microphone is... Anyway, who cares? So, um, Jake calls Joe at her photo shoot and tells her he has a room upstairs in the same hotel. He's got a blazer on and a huge bouquet of roses. She takes it as more... She says it takes more than roses to get a clean slate, and he apologizes for paying too much attention to Shelly because of Jesse. They say they love each other and bone. Nice. <laughs> Joe gawks at Jane's engagement ring when they meet up to look at slides and Jane credits Joe for getting her to come around. But Jane explains that she doesn't really love Richard the way she loved Michael, but since Richard's good for her, she'll learn to love him. Honestly, not the worst reason to get married. Although I know it does not really work for TV people. But... <laughs> um, Shelly and Jake work on the books at Shooters and she rubs his shoulders, explaining that she used to be a massage therapist. Mm -hmm. He puts the kibosh on that and says she's doing a great job at shooters, but needs to get her own place because she, because he and Joe just got back together. She says she'll look for a place and any affection she has is strictly friendship. Brooke finally tells Amanda that Jack's in LA. Amanda says she'll kill her if, she, if he finds her and Jack walks in just then. He tricks Brooke into admitting Amanda's there. Amanda tries to leave town but Jack finds her at the airport um, and insists that he's only there because he has a fiance and needs a divorce. Mm -hmm. That's what they all say. And that is the end of that episode. Well, um, episode six of season four has a name. I definitely don't understand at all. It's called <laughs> the Jane mutiny. I don't either. I have to wonder if, like, sometimes when they were, like, hard up for a title, if they would just, like, throw, like, open the dictionary and throw a dart at it or something. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so this one starts off with Peter bringing Kimberly a birthday present in the psych ward. And she says it's not her birthday, but he insists that it is figuratively. Like, you know, the first day of the rest of her life or whatever, I guess. It's a dress, and she's being released into his custody and will work in his office and wear a wrist monitor. Matt goes to Tom Riley's office with a subpoena from Hobbs, which he just takes and puts on the pile. <laughs> they talk about a plan to depose Hobbs, which doesn't make much sense. At the deposition, Tom questions Hobbs about his attitude toward gay people. Hobbs loses his temper and his lawyer tells him to shut up, but he goes on to once again call Matt the F slur. Okay, that scene 
was bananas. Because <laughs> first of all, Hobbs is like, I've got, uh, or no, Riley, the lawyer, Tom Riley, has is like, don't worry, we'll pull out all the stops of the deposition, and he's expect, you know, like, like he's got some secret weapon, and basically his secret weapon is just to yell. Which I mean, maybe that was a secret weapon. It's a strategy, but it was so the acting in the scene when, like, Riley is pressing Hobbs and is like you don't like that I have the power in this situation because I'm gay. And then he's like, uh, and then Hobbs is like, I won't answer that or whatever. And, and Riley is like, it's a deposition. You agreed to tell the truth. Tell the truth. <laughs> and I was like, what is happening in this scene? It was crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. I was like, I'm not sure that's the kind of question that you have to answer. Like, does it bother you that I have the power in this situation? Isn't exactly what I would consider, like, I don't, I mean, I don't think you can object in a deposition. Anyway, I don't totally know the law. <laughs> but when he was like, you swore to tell the truth, tell the truth. I was like, okay, this is bananas. <laughs> um, so Peter comes into his new house from the pool and insists Kimberly doesn't need to work around the house, but she wants to contribute. And I can't remember why Peter moved. Um, Me neither, actually. I mean, I, 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 my guess is that the real reason is that they just lost access to that house that they were filming in. Oh, sure. And the new one sucks compared to it for sure. Like they barely show the kitchen and the kitchen sucks. It's just like tiny and not befitting of a Melrose Place doctor. But anyway, uh, she also wants to bone, but he says that she's there to heal. <laughs> Which, if if anybody remembers what Sydney is like, um, she does not heal when she is denied sex. Um, she flies off the handle. So maybe he should rethink that. Um, he heads to the shower while she broods. And Sydney rings the doorbell and is shocked when Kimberly answers. Sydney's definitely wearing a wig. And when after she leaves, Peter tells Kimberly not to answer the door or the phone because she's definitely not ready to deal with people. And girl, same. Like, do not come to my door. The next day at work, Sydney tells Michael that Kimberly's at Peter's house, which he comes in and confirms. Michael chews Peter a new asshole and warns him not to take the whole office with him when he goes down. Sydney brings Kimberly's file to Michael so that they can scheme. They decide to put Henry back in Kimberly's head, figuring they could find an actor to play him. Tom comes to Melrose Place to help Matt move back into his apartment and tell him he can have his job back or take a cash settlement of $50,000. And that Dr. Hobbs has been fired. He needs to think about it, but can't get too excited because Hobbs still doesn't like him because he's gay. Like, who cares? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, be mad if your dad doesn't like you because you're gay, but who cares about Hobbs? Um, Amanda asks her contractor when her apartment will be finished, and he says he's not doing any more work until he gets the final payment. 
She says some nonsense about the insurance company undervaluing the cost of the repair and that she's good for it. And he pulls a board down to demonstrate that he's not screwing around and he leaves. And Amanda's shoes are absolutely insane. Oh, I don't remember what the shoes were. I was like the highest high heels ever. Uh, like the kind where your foot is almost vertical, I think. Yeah. Um, and Sydney thinks better of talking then to talk to her about it. Jake works on a motorcycle in the courtyard again while Joe swims. That Jake, he's been told so many times to do that in the garage. Although maybe there is no garage currently. Who knows? Oh yeah. It might've gotten blown up. Yeah. Um, but he should still not ruin the nice pool deck with his greasy, greasy motorcycle. Jane appears to let them know the apartments are almost done. And Billy walks up with flowers Brooke thinks that they're for their two-month anniversary, but Billy just found them at the gate for Allison. Brooke recognizes that they're from the florist Haley uses, and everyone's shocked when she reads the card. Allison, it was fun. Next time, bring your bathing suit. Allison emerges, and Brooke wants details, but Allison declines to explain herself. And this may be a record for the most cast members shown speaking in the shortest amount of time. I was very impressed by just how quickly they went through almost everybody. At the morning meeting at D&D, Amanda suddenly loves Allison, like I said she should, and gives Brooke a hard time over her lack of accomplishments. Grasping for an idea, Brooke says she can land her father's company. Allison says everyone knows Armstrong Limited uses an in-house department. Over at Hart and Mancini, which, by the way, when they changed the sign, it didn't have that cool font anymore. That, right? that was sad. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, Richard hands Joe a thank you card with an IOU for whatever nice gift she wants because she nudged Jane into accepting his proposal. He has some menswear sketches that he doesn't want Joe to see. And he leaves and Jane sits down with Joe, who's confused because Jane says she doesn't love Richard. Jack meets with Amanda and some lawyers about a divorce agreement. He says that he has a box of her stuff, including things that belong to Palmer. Jack and his lawyer explain that when she faked her death, Jack collected her life insurance, which is now fraud. He has friends at the insurance office who will cut a deal if he does her the favor of signing an affidavit saying that it was his fault. Amanda's a little worried because he's staying in town a while longer. And at the elevator, Jack's lawyer asks what's going on because he knows that Jack doesn't want a divorce. Brooke asks Allison to his office to grill her about Haley. Brooke says if Allison and Haley are involved, they should finally bury the hatchet. Allison says she'll have to pull it out of her back first. <laughs> Brooke asks for Allison's help landing Armstrong Limited, but Allison says she's on her own and goes back to her desk with a shit-eating grin. Peter drops by D&D &D to offer Amanda a loan, but she blows him off. Jack brings Amanda's box of stuff to her office. They keep talking about how it's been five years, which I mentioned before messes up the timeline because she came to Los Angeles at the end of season one with five years of advertising experience. When she faked her death, 
she had always wanted to work in advertising, according to uh, Parisi, whatever his name is. Uh, Jack. <laughs> anyway, Joe mopes and drinks a cocktail at Shooter's, and Shelly comes up to tell her how tired she looks. <laughs> Which, if there's a way to piss off a woman, it's to tell her she looks tired. Um, Joe says she doesn't care to talk career stuff with someone she barely knows. And Shelly says she understands. After all, she has a great guy like Jake at home. Jake arrives to let uh, her know, to let Joe know that she's depressing everyone. And she says that Jane and Richard are depressing her because Jane doesn't love him. Watching him fawn all over her all day bums her out. And Jake reminds her that it's kind of her fault. (laughs) At the next staff meeting, Brooke's about to crash and burn. But to everyone's surprise, Haley shows up to sign deals for two new divisions of Armstrong Limited, uh, sports gear and jewelry. I'm trying to figure out what kind of company this is. (laughs) Uh, Haley insists that Allison should be his rep. And Brooke tries to convince Amanda to reassign the account to her, but she says now that Brooke bought Jack back into Amanda's life, her blackmailing days are over. Yeah, she lost all her leverage. Yeah. Oops. Uh, by the way, in the little boardroom that they had all this meeting going on in, there was the most incredible artwork I've ever seen. I want it for my own home. Um. Billy helps Amanda bring bags up to her place, which she's surprised is done. The contractor emerges from the hallway and explains that he got a cashier's check. So she calls Peter to chew him out for paying, but it wasn't him. It was Jack. Sydney and Michael crash Jane and Richard's engagement party. Um, Amanda toasts Allison and Brooke for landing the Armstrong limited accounts and Allison leaves to get to work on that account. Uh, Brooke whines about I'm also <laughs> laughing about all these people like celebrating, like the daughter of the guy and the lady that he's trying to bone are like getting toasted for landing his account. Yeah. Like, like it's so silly. It's nepotism to the max. <laughs> first of all, <laughs> Like, it's not like he did anything you know what i mean yeah. like um brooke whines about allison and amanda puts her in her place joe chugs a glass of champagne and grabs two more to double fist um and i'm sorry but this is like the dumbest thing ever like she's getting way too worked up about jane and richard for me i don't i don't buy it um Jane comes over to chat and is so excited about all the people there because Richard has so many connections. Joe slurs that she should be excited for more than the connections she's getting out of the marriage. And Jane says that Joe's not qualified to give advice after what happened with Jesse. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like why does Joe care so much? I mean, I know she's like friends with Jane, but she doesn't even seem worried about Jane. She seems like mad at her. Yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah, this is all just a real reach for sure. It's like just they needed somebody to be the one that was upset to force the issue. Right. And I guess Joe makes the most sense yeah. of anybody. But I can't imagine anybody really caring that like 
Jane is supposedly marrying him for the quote wrong reasons or whatever. I feel like it would have been more realistic for it to be Billy. Um, in what way? Well, Billy just like seems to be more, you know, in everybody's business and mad about people's relationships not being authentic and stuff. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It, w- it would have been harder to write him into the situation. Like it was easy because Joe works with them, but. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. That's the thing that I'm like, I can't really see Billy being close enough to these people. Yeah. But he has the attitude for it. Cause you know, he's been cheated on and burned and blah, blah. <laughs> Um, Jane says her biggest fear is for her life to turn out like Joe's and suggests that she should leave. Joe storms out with a champagne in each hand and pouts by the elevator while Jake goes down to get a cab. Richard asks Joe why she's been arguing with Jane and Joe tells him that Jane doesn't love him. Jane and Richard head up to the bridal suite, which the hotel comped because they hired them for catering. Richard does not want to bone and asks if he makes Jane happy. She wants to know what Joe told him, but he wants to hear from her whether she loves him. She can't say it and says she doesn't even know what love is anymore. I don't even know what love is anymore. He says he's not willing to risk waiting for love to come eventually and leaves. Um, I feel like he maybe shouldn't have thrown an engagement party just yet. But anyway, Uh, Amanda and Billy go to the bank so she can go to the safety deposit box that her personal stuff from the office should have been in the entire time. (laughs) Yeah, like what? Okay. Like I also on that last scene, the whole time I kept thinking, wait, so Richard like proposed to her and wanted to get married, and she's never said I love you. Like, yeah, I was lost. Yeah, he's he's an odd duck, that Richard. Um, but yeah, um, who knew Amanda had a safe deposit box that she could have kept her um, very incriminating Florida ID in? <laughs> Why did she even keep it? She could have shredded it. <laughs> um, uh, she explains that Billy's there because she's afraid for her life, and she shows him the photos of when Jack beat her up. She gives him the key to the box in case anything happens to her so he can take the photos to the police. Um, or they could just go to the police right now. I'm not sure what, why they would wait. Um, <laughs> Billy accuses Allison of going after Armstrong to hurt Brooke. Brooke comes in and says as much, but Billy says he doesn't care and she's just obsessed. He says he got Allison out of his life and now it's her turn to get Haley out of hers, except for that, um, he's her dad. So, um. Uh, Jack comes to Melrose place and explains that paying off the contractor was a divorce present. He comes in close and she grabs for a knife behind her back, which he takes from her and says she needs to be careful so she doesn't cut herself. And he leaves muttering, it's not over. So. Stellar stuff. Well, <laughs> a lot happened. Yes. So much happened in these three episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Oh, but did I ever mention that I finally finished the hundred? Uh, no. I finished the hundred. It was a great show. Not for you, Nan. You would not like it because it's sci-fi. But oh, for, yeah. For those who uh. like sci-fi, um, <laughs> it's a great show. I've moved on to a less great sci-fi show, um, Sliders. <laughs> Do you remember Sliders? Uh, I've heard of it. I never watched it. It's Jerry O'Connell's uh, second big TV show um, where he invents a machine that allows him to travel between parallel universes. And um, unfortunately, the machine gets damaged. And so he and his band of cohorts are stuck going from alternate universe to alternate universe, hoping to finally end up at their Earth. Um, it's not great, but I'm enjoying watching it. <laughs> Cool. How about you? What are you watching besides uh, Melrose Place? What am I watching besides Melrose Place? And uh, that, so that was it. I can't ever remember. I know, and just like that, I just like forget the name of it all the time. <laughs> um, what else am I watching? Um, oh well, okay. So uh, <laughs> I finally started watching Virgin River, which is just like. You know, lady go lady nurse runs away from LA and her problems there to go live in like a rundown middle of nowhere town and deal with the local townspeople. Hmm. And romance is happening also. Um and it's like got three seasons already. Um it's been on for a while, but I like just finally started watching it. Um and it's my good like that's like a good show for when I'm on the treadmill at the gym, you know, just like something. I, like. This is the first time I've heard of it, but um, I see that Annette O'Toole's in it. Oh yeah. 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 So yeah, I mean, it's good. It's like, it's your pretty typical like Hallmark channel TV show type situation. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but you know, sometimes I enjoy that for just easy, easy watching. Um, you know what? is that for me is HDTV shows. Um, oh, and you know what I binged and finished in like a week was the new season of Emily in Paris. So that show is, I wanted to hate it. I watched the first season like, cause it was pandemic and it was Darren star and, you know, Belrose place, Darren star and sex in the city, Darren star. And, um, Emily is insufferable, but if you, it's like, it's kind of like amazingly anti-American propaganda. Mm -hmm. And for that, I really actually love it because like Emily is not someone that we're supposed to, like, I don't get the feeling that we're actually supposed to be on Emily's side. Like we're watching this person sort of enact like all the worst American traits, right. like workaholism and shall you know being like sort of shallow and being a prude and you know like being weirdly too optimistic all the time and the french people are constantly putting her in her place nice. and it's really fun to watch that i don't know it's better than i i gotta say maybe i'm just dumb but it was it's better than i thought it was gonna be when it first came out um and she is definitely you know insufferable but they make her the butt of the joke i feel like or they make her like the punching bag, and I kind of like that. Well, that sounds good to me. I mean, sign me up. So, I recommend Emily in Paris. Okay. 
Well, I, I don't necessarily recommend sliders unless you um, are like me and like watching bad stuff as well as good stuff. <laughs> well, the two shows I just named are not good, <laughs> I would say. But, um, you know. <laughs> I mean, we are podcasting about Melrose Place. so They are enjoyable in their own ways. <laughs> I will say that. There we go. Uh, do we need to do any other shout outs? Uh, uh, I think we're good on shout outs. Um, Dustin texted me that he's finally catching up on the podcast and he enjoyed our shout out for his wedding. Um, so, you know, does his husband um, listen? That could be an extra listener for us. I don't know if his husband listens. His husband has a, like a PhD in television. Like he's, what? he teaches classes on TV. I know when I first met him, I was like, how did you get this? I didn't know this was possible. Like, how did you get my dream job? Um, so, uh, you know, I, maybe I'll ask, <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah, if I knew that a PhD in television was possible, I might have stayed in school longer than five and a half years. I mean, seriously, nobody ever told me, and I'm so upset. Well, so upset. I've always said I'm never going back to school, but now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, definitely. It was very tempting. Uh, well, I guess I should go and continue trying to find this dog's owners. Mm, good luck, but that's very stressful. Um, I do know that you know your house um, recently experienced one less dog, so maybe this is um, the new housemate. Um, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> I normally I would be really into that idea, but for some reason this is feeling very overwhelming. So. <laughs> Well, it, it wasn't like you planned it, so it's yeah, exactly. You couldn't mentally prepare for your guest. Also, it's a great Pyrenees. I used to have a Great Dane. Like these, some breeds are just like extra. Like he seems low key, chill, and like you know, I don't oh. know. From what I understand, they're pretty laid back and easy to take care of. But but, but they're also huge. I think we only talked about the dog before we started recording. So just to catch everybody up, uh, Nan found a stray dog. Oh, yeah, and he's been in our house for, like, the last 24 hours. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Cool. Well, uh, check us out on Instagram at Melrose Sheltering in Place. Yes, please go watch our latest reel there because I think it's my favorite one that I ever did. Um... Yeah, t- Christopher makes good TikToks. <laughs> I don't acknowledge reels, but they end up on reels. Yeah, so. just because... <laughs> I can't I can't get people interested in the podcast on TikTok even though they like the TikToks. So Yeah, TikTok is weird. <clears throat> I don't I don't totally understand how, how to maximize the impact over there. So I just make random dumb shit and five people like it and it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I I made one last night that I liked um and then I chickened out and I made it private cuz it was making fun of Chris Hardwick, but <laughs> Oh, you know what? I had the biggest crush on Chris Hardwick. <laughs> like, In fact, I used to watch his like, he had this, like syndicated dating show. No, Shipmates. All right. Even worse, like after Singled Out, he had this like, it was like, you know, uh, Blind Date. Do you remember Blind Date? Oh, yeah. And like, there was like those late night dating shows that came on. And there was this one called Shipmates 
Or is this a blind date on a little ship? You know, like a little yacht or whatever. Shipmates. And Chris Hardwick hosted it. And I would literally just watch it. Just to watch I him. Because I had Chris Hardwick. Anyway. <laughs> um. So. Yeah, so um, one of the trends on TikTok right now is uh, making fun of self-proclaimed empaths, which uh, Chris Hardwick oh, is one yeah. of. Um, and so I made one referencing him and Chloe Dykstra. Um, but then I was worried that like some Chris Hardwick stands might find it and ruin my life, so I privated it. But Chris Hardwick claims to be an empath that bums me out. Yeah, like also I love making fun of empaths. I've been doing it forever, but that trend is starting to get old. <laughs> and some of them aren't even that good. I'm just like, okay, that's a reach. Like I get it. We're all making fun of empaths. I'm here for it, but that one wasn't even funny. Yeah. I, I did a Star Trek one that I think is really funny. So um and that one is actually doing well. By the time that we hang up here it might have two thousand views. I don't know. Oh. It, it was climbing when I started recording. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I will keep you posted on the dog situation. Yeah. And um, I guess other than that, that's it. Yeah. Please be sure to get at least one picture of the dog before it's gone. Cause I'm, I'm Oh, I have a really good one. I can send you. Oh, perfect. I'll text it to you right now. Cause I have a niece. Um, and then I guess that means we should probably sign off. So bye uh, everybody. Yeah, find us on Instagram at Melrose sheltering in place. Catch you later. Oh yeah. Happy new year. <laughs> yeah, bye. Bye.